Well, welcome everyone. It's a little different uh, show this week, but we got something really good and interesting for you. A little different setup. Mama Hoss is not here with me, but uh, we had some traveling this week. Look at some field trials down in Florida. So we're doing something a little bit different. We wanted to bring y'all something. And we got Mr. Donnie Glover on with us tonight. Mr. Donnie is a good friend of Hoss. And I'm going to try to give you a little introduction there, Mr. Donnie. If I mess it up, you, you for, for all <laughs> means, thank you. Straighten out. But Mr. Donnie lives in mid state Mississippi, a little town called Greenville, Mississippi, which is, if you used to draw a line over, it's about even with Birmingham as far as the north, how north it is. And uh, Mr. Donnie's like me, he's an old soul. And uh, we've been around the block a time or two, and we love gardening. And uh, Mr. Donnie's a retired soybean and corn breeder. And uh, we love, we, we get a chance to get together. We love to talk about gardening. And Mr. Donnie is a avid uh, gardener, and he is a member of our Row by Row Facebook group. If you're not familiar with that, you got to find out about it. It's a Facebook group that we host there on, uh, called Row by Row that's full of gardening enthusiasts. If you want to grow your own backyard vegetable garden, you need to be a part of it. People like Mr. Donnie is there to help you along with your journey. With with saying all that, welcome, Mr. Donnie. Well, thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate it and uh, glad to be here with y'all today and love to talk gardening. Yeah, absolutely. So how big is your garden? Well, it's not really that big. Uh, I have, of course, and now I, I last year we invested in a in a high tunnel and uh, it's 14 by 50 and that's all the main garden that I have this fall is just in the high tunnel. I have cover crops on everything else. I have one garden that has 10 50 foot beds in it that are 40 inches wide with 18 inch alley. It fits my tractor and then I have a smaller garden that has three 40 foot beds they are the same configuration. I think it's 60 inches on centers. And then I got or 58 inches on centers. And then I have about a 40 inch flat top bed. And then I just, I have permanent paths. I, I only work the beds. So what kind of cover I, crops are you going? Well, I have, I have three different cover crops this year on my, I'm, on my new sweet potato ground, I'm trying to eliminate all the diseases and the wireworms and things. So I have, I have a, a, one of the hot mustards on it, and it's a Caliente 199. It's specifically bred to release the biofumigant gas when it's green manured or or tilled in green. And gosh, it's already knee high. I irrigated it to get it up, and uh, hopefully when I till it, I'll till it up and then tarp it, and I'll have time then to make my rows and, and put out my sweet potato slips. Hopefully I can get rid of any of the soil insects, the wireworms, or anything that on that sweet potato ground, and then on my cucurbit ground where I grow uh, the vine and things, the cucumbers and the uh, cantaloupes and things like that. I have wheat mixed with that mustard. And you can use just about any mustard. I just happened to, uh, I ordered some of that just to see what it's like. It grows really big. 
And then on the main set of beds where I'm going to have some grass crops and things, I've got wheat on it. And it really hadn't rained enough to get that wheat going. It's been really dry here. And, uh, but I, I do value the cover crops and, and they're very, wheat will come up when it does rain. Hopefully in the next few days it'll rain. Yeah, yeah. wheat's a crop we started carrying this fall here. I think it's one of the best cover crops out there. You know, it being a monocot, it works really good for, for rotation where you're going to plant those cucurbits back. Yeah. Anything that's, that I, now personally, I think you'd probably be better off to, to if you're gonna plant corn, to probably go with a legume before that. You agree with that? Oh yeah, or, yeah. I, yeah. Where where I'm going corn next year? Uh, it had peas on it this year, so I kind of I rotated a little bit to a broadleaf to a grass to a broadleaf to a grass. But it where it fell, I needed to plant wheat on that whole block, so uh, it'll be all right. Oh, yeah. Uh, any of it's better than nothing. And black oaks is a good one. Have you ever grown that one? I, oh, I hadn't I grown, grown that. I raised, I raised some wheat grain. So I have I have wheat seed and yeah. just I just happen to have it. So because I plant wheat on my place besides that wheat for grain and and I also grow past wheat pastures for my animals. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but wheat, wheat, black oaks rye any of those are, are great for for crops to kind of cleanse your soil a little bit get everything kind of straightened out and especially if you're going to grow things like cucurbics or anything like that and as far as the mustard goes the one we call carry is called kodiak brown that this is yeah what is your thoughts and i tell you what mine are when's the ideal time to till that in i've always been told and thought it was right before bolt well uh before it flowers and makes seed for sure. I want maximum dry matter. I right. want as much vegetative material as I can get. And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it about 30 days before I want to plant. And I'm gonna green manure it in 30 days and then till it in and then tarp it. And that will hold in any of the gases that's produced from the degradation of the cells and that particular that particular you know the the mustards the kodiak mustard you know they all do it good and uh and uh that fumigate basically biofumigates the soil it's been done a long time in europe it's it's uh it's a pretty established thing in europe where they they get 36 inches tall and they green manure it with with rototillers and uh, I'm going to yeah. mow it first. I'm going to mulch it with a take a zero turn, cut it down, and and uh, then I'm going to mulch it in there, because because my my rows are really ready to go, and I'm just going to till it into the top of the rows. I have yeah, all so my rows all put up for next year. All my land preparations done except for the final seed bed preparation. Ready so, to go. Try to, because may not be able to do it next spring. Um, I have physical limitations. Going to have a physical limitation of driving a tractor for a couple of months after January. So uh, I have to have everything done as I can. Right. 
A little side note on, on what we was talking about on biofumigates. This is something that we figured out long a few years ago. So we had a big cabbage patch that uh, we went in there and haired up real quick. And we wanted to flip that cabbage patch and plant something back there. So we did. We went there and haired it one day and planted the next, you know, real quick trying to turn it over. We got basically zero germination. Mm-hmm. Biofumigate. So any oh. of these brassicas, all of them will release a biofumigate. Now, the Kodiak brown and some of the mustards are better than others. So if you're growing specifically for that, that's just a side note. Let everybody, I don't know whether you're growing broccoli or whatever. When you do work it into the soil, give it a few days before you replant or you could be have the same issue we did. They will biofumigate with gas up and keep seed from germinating. Yeah, it'll it'll kill the weed seed. It'll kill the insects. It'll kill the the fungal pathogens. Uh, like I have I have my on the bed where I'm gonna grow tomatoes. I have brassicas growing this fall. My broccoli, yeah, cauliflower, cabbage, my kale, all those are growing right where the tomatoes are going to be next year. And then they'll they'll be finished by Christmas, and then uh, I can't tarp it where it's at in the high tunnel, but I'll till it and let it set till spring. Right. All right. Let's get into what we're doing this fall. I wanted to talk today about winter gardening because winter gardening is something don't everybody do. We've been doing it for years. Uh, it's a great time to grow those things that you don't normally don't ordinarily think about, and uh, we grow a lot of winter garden stuff around here i mean a lot of the ideal time for us is around the first of october to get it into the ground from therefore going forward we have good normally length of day in the day we've been short on moisture this year but normally we have a little bit of moisture to get things growing and here's the best thing you have most of those leafy available plants vegetables available for the holidays come christmas time thanksgiving you're going to be able to have some loose mustard turnips kohlrabi whatever have them ready. And that's one reason we love planting in the first of October. Now, one thing that we ate the other night, we planted some, some radishes in raised beds and Mama Hoss roasted some radishes. One of the viewers had told us to roast some with olive oil and some seedlings on there off the chain. First time I had ever eaten radishes that way. But a lot of these vegetables are, boy, they lovely to eat when it gets cooler weather. I think about collards. I think about turnips and mustard and all those kind of things. So talk to me, Mr. Donnett. What have you got growing in that winter garden? Well, I I start about the first of September. When you say October, you know, I grow on my own plants. So I really start about the first of September. Yeah, I'm talking I, about putting it in the soil around the first of yeah, October is ideal for me. Got to start about the first of yep. September. You know, you right. gotta uh, gotta you know plant your onion seed, plant your brassicas, and uh, it may be a little bit too hot sometimes at that time of the year to get them to germinate. So I have germinated them in the house under air conditioner. As soon as they come up, then you can take them outside or you know, wherever you're going to grow them in a under a shade tree or whatever and transplant them. You know, I plant them bulk and then transplant them into, into trays. And uh, it's worked real good this year. And yeah, I can grow brassicas in pretty much steadily. I can grow a brassica transplant in about four to five weeks, pretty much all the time. Now, onions is going to take me anywhere from six to eight weeks. And I lean toward that eight weeks on the onions. But I can grow a brassica in if the, if everything goes well in four to five weeks, pretty easy. 
You 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 can grow them faster than I can. I I don't I don't know why. I guess it's it may be a little hotter up here or something, but uh, uh, they're a little slower. But but boy, their cabbages are making heads right now, and uh, the the broccoli and 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 uh, cauliflowers planted two feet apart, and and they're solid on the row, you know, right now, and uh, they will be ready. In fact, I just in the high tunnel, I just direct seeded some broccoli for a second crop. Yep. And uh, it's warm enough right now that it'll 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 germinate right there in the hill. I plant four or five seeds, you know, in the hill and then thin them. And, and uh, I did some lettuce like that, too, where I can have a, a second crop. Because if it doesn't get real cold, even up into January and February, uh, you can have the brassicas there. Especially cabbage. Cabbage is very tolerant to freezing weather, more so than cauliflower. Cauliflower will freeze, but broccoli is not too bad. Of course, broccoli will produce the the second the second shoots that I think sometimes are better than the big old heads, you know. But uh, yeah, that's you could you can have with the price of groceries these days. I don't see how anybody that's able to have a garden doesn't have a garden because you can you can easily grow a couple hundred dollars a month of vegetables of, of groceries in your backyard. It doesn't take a very big place with some raised beds because my high tunnel is basically a raised bed system. Even though I don't have the lumber, it's just wood, wood uh, soil raised beds, but uh, it's a raised bed system. And then, of course, we had to irrigate it to get it up. You know, you have to irrigate the, at transplanting. So a drip irrigation system is almost required in the fall garden, you know. But, uh, uh, you you know, we got English peas that are flowering right now. And barring a hard freeze, they'll, they'll make some fall English peas. Uh, seems like my English peas usually freeze. Well, we'll see, see, because I'm a little bit farther north than you are. I'm just in the bear. I'm almost in 7B. It's just right up the yeah. road 7B for me. But I'm in 8A. But it's it's it, it gets pretty cold. We were 26 the other morning with a heavy frost, and uh, 26, 26. It was on my oh, yeah. well, my we thermometer. So you'll get 10, 10, 11 degrees. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of low as well. I'm in a low elevation place because I'm right on the Mississippi River. And uh, in fact, if the Mississippi River goes to flood stage, the water level is 16 feet above my bed. So I worry wow. about it when it comes to flood. <laughs> of course, we got a good levee and I got flood yeah. insurance. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we, you speaking of groceries, we went to the grocery store last night. And we bought $327 worth of groceries. And we got in the car. Of course, I was mumbling and complaining about $327. But we got trying to remember the last time we bought groceries. It has been probably two months since we bought groceries. We've been eating out of the garden, eating out of the freezer. And it had been forever. Now, I know $327 don't sound like a lot to a lot of folks, but it just burns me up when I had to spend that much money on groceries. But man, at what? I just... I don't realize sometimes how much we save by eating out of the garden. Of course, we, you know, we have most of our meat in the freezer, hogs and cows, mm -hmm. and deer meat that we eat off of. But 
we just don't go buy groceries very often. You know, the staples is all we need is just butter and and some oil and a little bit of meal here and there and flour. That's basically I'm, all we need. I'm right there with you. I know that, you know, we have, we still have good Irish potatoes from spring. They got little sprouts on them, but you break off the sprouts and they're fine. You know, of course, we got world sweet potatoes and, uh, and all this okra that I put in the freezer. Uh, I ate the first okra from the freezer yesterday. Uh, we just cut the okra down here right before this freeze. So yeah. it made it made for three and a half or four months of food, you know, just right. a little okra patch. Yep. And those sweet potatoes, man, Mama Hoss made me some sweet potatoes souffle the other night. Woo, that stuff was off the chain. Sweet potatoes to me. I don't know why everybody don't grow sweet potatoes. I got several basketfuls out there in the barn. And all we have to do is walk up there and get us some taters off the, out of the barn there. We want a good meal there. That with a little pork, that's plenty for uh, a supper time meal. And it is absolutely delicious. Well, sweet potatoes is the number one survival food, if you if you will. You know, it will. Uh, it will. Uh, it's high, high carbohydrate and, and uh, has a lot of protein in it, too, more than Irish potatoes. But uh, yeah, it'll cut the old boy up. It's on slim side. Yeah, well, <laughs> we try to cook them in a cook. So we like them in the air fryer, you know, air fried yeah. sweet potatoes, and and I do make the, I do make the casseroles though with some brown sugar. It's just a little too good, you know. Yeah, it is. But uh, but right. it's so let's get into some of the specifics of of winter garden, and let's start off with radishes and beets. I gave my little bit of spill while ago on radishes. Now, radishes, most people don't know this, but you can grow those things off 45, 50 days easy. So it's a quick turnaround. Most of the time, you need to succession plant them if you got room there. About over two to three weeks, plant you another plant, and you can have radishes going all the way into the wintertime. Another one that I just started growing a few years ago was beets. And I know there's going to be a lot of people out there talking about, I don't like beets. Well, you ain't never had them prepared properly in my book. Beets, if they're prepared properly, are delicious. I even got where I love them pickled, and I never eat a pickled beet coming up. But we've been pickling beets the last few years. Another thing is beet greens. Mr. Don, you ever had any beet greens? Those are delicious. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. I got I got a beet trial growing this year. Got six different kinds of beets in it, and they're beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you know the one of the keys. My wife won't eat them unless I peel them. She she doesn't like the peeling. She says the peeling has an earthly earthy flavor, tastes like dirt. And if you peel them and and uh, roast them and serve them with a little bit of goat cheese, she loves them that way. But I can't I can't get her to eat them eat the peeling. That's the thing. Yeah, you know I've never thought about that, but they some of them do have more of an earthy flavor than others. That's the Speaking peeling. Yeah, speaking of trials, I sent Mr. Donnie some varieties to work on this year to trial out. So we're looking at some new beet varieties. Excuse me. For next year, we've got a uh, a breeder up in Illinois that is really working on some interesting beets, and I'm excited to see what some of those come out. I got a couple of them growing in my garden as well. Now, beets, to me, if you've never had them boiled or cooked in chicken broth, is all hmm. the chain. So that's a good one there as well. But I got Scott where I love beets. Now, as a younger person, I probably didn't care much for them because I never had them prepared properly. 
the beets is wonderful there. You can pick them and whatever you need to do. And it didn't take a lot of them. one row, 20 foot long, 10 foot long, produce a lot of beets. I normally direct seed mine. I know a lot of people transplant them. And I plant mine pretty thick, all oh, about four inches apart. I've got mine too thick. I need to go thin them. I, I, it was pretty hot when I planted them and I was afraid they wouldn't come up and, and uh, I got too many. I've thinned on them once, but it takes a lot of dedication to thin stuff. I tell you, I have trouble with that. Carrots and beets and radishes, everything like that. I normally have to go back and kind of uh, thin them out a little bit because you want to plant them a little bit thick and you should. That thinning process hurts your soul sometimes. <laughs> All right, greens. And then we're going to get into this one here because you got to have those greens for Thanksgiving. Got to have them. Spinach, turnips, mustard, collards. Oh, man, rutabagas. Mr. Donnie, what's your favorite water you grow? Oh, I'm a spinach guy. I oh, love I love raw spinach. I put it, and I say raw, I put it in scrambled eggs and on sandwiches, and I'm a spinach guy. And I like kale too. And uh, I, I'm growing some red Russian kale this year for the first time. And it's really pretty. It's, I've been harvesting it. I've been harvesting. I've got a big patch of greens that I'm fixing to harvest harvest here next week. And we're going to have, uh, I'm going to put some pork in there with them. We're going to have big old, we're going to have greens and grits, grits and greens. Have some of that Jimmy Red grits that grits I grew and green. And I'm going to put, put them on them greens. Have grits and greens. Man, ain't nothing better. And uh, well, do you maybe grow, even do you like a baby-sized spinach or a full-size full spinach? Either one. I like them both. Now, I have – I start harvesting them when they're little. And if you – I have some of the small – I don't remember the variety. The small leaf spinach that kind of grows prostrate a little bit. And then – I grow some of the the big leaf stuff, and that's more for laying on a sandwich, you know. I eat spinach instead of lettuce a lot of times. I don't know why. It's just I mix it in a salad, too, with the lettuce. We'll get to lettuce in a minute. I got lettuce coming out my ears. Can't give oh, it yeah, all. Lettuce. And, lettuce uh, but but uh, spinach has done real well this year. There's a couple of varieties out there that I tried last year. We actually added one of them, but the Imperial Beach and Imperial, what was the other one? Imperial Beach. And there was another one I tried beside one another, which is a full leaf Italian leaf. They call it Italian type, has those big leaves to it. And those did really well. I couldn't, Imperial, I can't remember. There was two Imperials. Anyway, I couldn't tell the difference. I can't remember what, what I planted. I, I got it from Haas. I don't remember. Yep. But that I don't is remember which one. I mean, I love that. I love that imperial uh, spinach. There. In, look here. Anybody that lives on further north than what we're talking about, spinach is an ideal green for you to grow because it will tolerate more cold than any other green out there. You can't kill it. You can, you yeah. can dig it out from under the snow and eat it. Right. Kale, too. Both of those will grow all the way up into Michigan. Yep. So on the kale, I am trialing a variety called Black Magic. Mr. Donnie Art sent you some seeds on these right here, but this black magic came highly recommended to me. Uh, if you familiar with high mowing organic seeds out of uh, up north, of I'm good friends with those folks there. And they told me we had to trial out the black magic and I have, and it looks good so far. I've not eaten any of it, 
but black magic looks real similar to dinosaur or lacinato kale, but it has a lot darker color to it. It has more vigor. It's more productive variety. So it's interesting to see how that does. I love kale as well. One of my favorite things to grow is collard greens. I love collard greens. And the variety I've been growing for the last couple of years is top chop. Love top chop. It's real similar to top bunch, more heat tolerant. But it's one of those smaller varieties that we call bunching type variety collards. Now, one interesting thing I did last year is I uh, I got I got a hold of me a couple of old heirloom variety of a cabbage collard and an Alabama blue collard, and I mm -hmm. grow those out. They were good. Don't get me wrong; they were good. They were unusual. The cabbage collard was kind of a yellow collard, real sweet flavor to it. It wasn't quite as productive as we normally see with some of these heirloom varieties and some of these new ones, but they were absolutely delicious and had very unique color to them. Probably not something I'd grow every year, but it was interesting. I love growing collards. If you, you know, me, go ahead. You know, collards, collards and kale is almost exchangeable. The people up north and out west, they eat kale, and people in the south, they tend to go to collards. And if you go to a geographical region, you can get kale, but you can't get collards. And if you go to other geographical region, you can get collards, but you can't get kale. So it's funny. Uh, I take my, my folks out in Oklahoma. They just, I tell them I'm bringing a load of kale when I come visit. And they just love it. And I said, y'all want some collards? Got plenty of those too. And they don't even know how to cook them. <laughs> so it's just, it's almost a geographical thing, but uh, there's nothing beats. You know, you get the right kind of pork and putting them collars. I mean, I don't know whether it's pork or the collars. You can't beat it. And can't it's a it. very sustainable food as well. You can you can grow worlds of it and it'll last all year. Well, you know, the nutritionist, and I just had this conversation yesterday with one of the breeders. The nutritionists go back and forth about the most nutritious vegetable out there. Some will say it's collards. Some will say it's kale. Kind of goes back and forth there. Which one is the best for you? But I got a hold by mistake. Now, I'm going to tell you this little story. Uh, last year, I got an envelope in the mail, and it was from one of the breeders out there in California, and they had a little brown envelope, and there wasn't nothing in there but a brown envelope, and it was unlike sample seed that I normally get. This was handwritten on the thing. Kalerts. Kalerts. So I got them, didn't think much about it. In a few days, I got a phone call. Greg, did you get a package? I said, yeah. Well, you got it by mistake. I said, yeah. She said, somebody sent you this, and this is top secret stuff. But one of the breeders out there had crossed kale with collards, and they come up with kalards. And I planted me a crop of them, and they were good. Don't get me wrong. They were good. A little unusual, but they were good. But I thought that was interesting, kalards. Now, you may, within the next year or two, see Kalerts on the marketplace, or you may not. I'm not sure if they're going to bring them out or not. But they crossed a kale and a collard and got Kalerts. And, and um, they, they're doing some more work with it. I'm not sure if it's going to make the cut or not, but it's very interesting. Well, when you cross something like that, you get a, you get a lot of children out of it, you know. And you plant those things out, and there's a lot of difference in the children. And you pick out the children, that's the best, you know, the, the progeny. And uh, once you cross, make a wide cross like that, and go after the progeny that are the best. And you may have, you may have got a population that was segregating, you know. 
That's well, the they've done quite a bit of work with it. Believe it or not, the ones I planted was very consistent. I was worried about that, but they were very consistent. So I think they got it fairly well stabilized. Uh, stabilized probably a bad word, but I think they got it. No, bad. that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Genetically stabilized. Yep. I think they're worried about the markability more more than having the you know the right product there. But I, it's it's interesting anyway to say the least. Yeah. And you mentioned English peas while ago. Let me tell you my some, my problem with English peas, and you, and you brought it up well. Right. They were hit and miss with me. I, some years I make a good crop, and some years I lose them. It's just and if you grow English peas or snow peas, you're gonna have the same issue. You're gonna do good. Or are you going to fail them? Rabbits. That yep. gum rabbits. Man, the rabbits love English peas more than anything. So I had a guy, old-timer in here the other day, because Mr. Donnie, I have a terrible problem with rabbits. I had an old-timer here that told me something I've never heard before. He said, take sweet milk. And what he meant by sweet milk was take regular cow milk and put it out there and sling it on the plant with a paintbrush. He said, when that milk goes rancid <laughs> or spoils, it will keep the rabbits away. And I've never heard that before. New one Have on you ever me. had any experience with it? Yep. That's a new I'm one on me. I put, electric net, I put electric net fence all the way around my garden and around my high tunnel. And there's not even a turtle gets in there with that with that Premier One electric poultry netting. Yeah. And that six jewel charger. You know, yeah. sometimes it keeps me out, you know. Hey, yeah, we uh, we don't have much of a deer problem, but rabbits torment me, just torment. I'm going to try the milk thing and see if it works, and I'll report back to you. Oh, that'd be interesting. All right, cauliflower Brussels sprouts. Do you grow any of those? I have grown Brussels sprouts, and I about decided that I can't do it. <laughs> I've, I've got got I get diseased in them so bad, yep. you know, after – after they freeze a little bit because it takes forever to grow a Brussels sprout. I mean, you plant them in the fall and you hope you can get them harvested in, in March, you know? Uh, but I, I get, I get diseases in them and I don't want to spray them every week with fungicides. I don't like to use chemicals if I can keep from it, but uh, I just, I've decided that's one thing that if my wife wants Brussels sprouts, we'll just, We'll have to go buy some frozen ones, you know. It's just very difficult. Some people have great success with it. I've there's some commercial production there in North Florida. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They know how to do it, and I don't. I guess. Yep, absolutely. I have the same thing. I don't grow them every year. I grow them every now and then, but uh, you got to have patience for those. I love to grow a few cauliflower and then it's not a staple of mine, but I love to grow cauliflower and then I tell people we got a variety called Twister. It's my favorite variety right now, but there's all kind of cauliflowers out That's there. That's the only one I'll grow it. Yep. It won't turn yellow on you. Right. Well, we have talked about winter gardening. I hope we've inspired somebody, Mr. Donnie, if they hadn't done it before, they got to get out there and plant them some winter garden, some fall garden. Even if you just plant some grow bags on your patio, you can grow all your lettuce, all your all your all your salad salad fixings right there on your patio, and frost won't really hurt that stuff. Speaking of that, I got two grow bags right now full of lettuce out there, and that's the way I've been growing my lettuce as of lately is in grow bags because I can keep it so much cleaner, and it just seems to do real well. Yeah, I I, I have a bunch of those uh, protein tubs, you know, from the cattle farm, and and I use those, and I grow all my onion plants in those, and 
and uh, grow, grow. So I grow some onions too. Oh, and my tom onions. We got so many tom onions. I don't. We're eating them like crazy. Yeah, man, those things yeah. multiply like crazy. I tell people, I said, you don't worry about it. Before long, you're gonna have more than what you can share with all your family. I've given them away to everybody. Yep. Will take them. Yep. Onions, greens, radishes, beets, all these kind of things you can enjoy. Them. No excuse for where you live at because up north you can grow those spinach and stuff. So I hope maybe today, Mr. Donnie, we've inspired somebody to grow a winter garden. Look here, if you've not been on our Robo Road, you got to get on there. Mr. Donnie is on there pretty regular, helping people out. Mr. Donnie, we sure appreciate you. I'm glad to be able to help anybody that needs it. I'm spread the spread the backyard grocery store, you know, because that's exactly what it is. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you, Mr. Donnie. And you keep them folks out in Mississippi straight, and we're going to do our best to keep these Georgia folks straight. And until next time, get dirty. Thank you.